Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I just want to say that I'm feeling a bit inspired today because recently, this past week, we traveled to a far-off land, which is still in the United States, but it is a far ways away, and that is to this little group of islands that we call Hawaii. And so Hawaii is that tropical, lush, uh, I mean, you have the, the pictures. You see the pictures, see the photographs, you see the movies. You watch Hawaii Five-0, and you have this image of Hawaii. And I'm going to talk about what I actually saw later. But, you know, this beautiful tropical oasis, if you will. It, now, there's a few things when it comes to Hawaii, and I'm going to try to relate all of this Hawaii discussion to the South in one way or another. And here's the first way. So in the South, our hardiness zone, or let's just say our hardiness zone here in Northeast Georgia, is number seven. We're USDA hardiness zone seven. Now that means that if temperatures are the lowest they've ever gotten before, we would be somewhere around zero to five degrees Fahrenheit. So that means that we can only grow plants that can handle that kind of weather. Now, I will say that we have seen over the past few years, several decades even, that our winters never get that cold. I mean, I can't recall many days, if we had any, that we were in the teens this past winter. Maybe the very high teens, but I don't think we were much in the 20s. So, with that in mind, Hawaii, the entire state and all the islands there, the lowest, the lowest USDA hardiness zone they have is number nine. Number nine. Now, to relate that to the south, number nine would fall somewhere into mid and south Florida. Okay? So that's, that's the coldest they get. The coldest the entire state gets is somewhere around mid and south Florida, which essentially... <laughs> is not cold at all. It is like summer all year long, but of course they have a rainy season. They have a rainy season instead of a winter because they are nearer the equator than we are. Um, now, their highest USDA hardiness zone is unheard of, in my opinion. I've never traveled anywhere. It's 13. So their USDA hardiness goes from 9 to 13 and our USDA hardiness zone here in Northeast Georgia is seven. Folks, we have a true real winter. Hawaii does not. And so that is one of the reasons. That is one of the reasons why they can grow certain plants that we couldn't imagine. Now, we can grow those plants, but we have to bring them into a greenhouse over winter 
or we have to bring them indoors into our own homes over winter. And we have talked to an extent on this program, New Southern Garden, about houseplants. And you can check out past episodes if you're interested in houseplants. Some of these things Hawaii grows outdoors that we have to grow indoors. You can check that out at NewSouthernGarden.com for those episodes and every episode that we've ever had here on WRWH 93.9 FM. This is your hometown radio. So the reality is that they can grow a wide, vast array of plants. Now, some of these plants, some of these plants are things, like I said, you grow as houseplants. Let's talk about Chefalera. Now, Chefalera is a beautiful houseplant. Of course, we do have this plant at Lanier Nursery and Gardens just for spring and summer only. We don't carry uh, houseplants over the winter as of yet. But Chefalera is a large, bushy, shrub-like plant when it's grown indoors. But I took a photo when I was down in Hawaii, and this little cute shrub that we grow inside uh, is growing outdoors on the corner of a house that is two stories, and the plant surpasses the roof line. So here we have this cute little plant that maybe grows five feet if you keep it inside in a pot, but out in Hawaii, it grows 20 feet tall. So it is a large tree. And of course, because of our climate, because of our conditions, because we have to bring these plants in indoors and they don't have a 365-day year growth season, then they're not going to reach their full potential. Let me just say that some of the other popular houseplants, there's one called philodendron. Now, philodendron is this sort of vine that people are growing indoors. They're letting it drape over their... uh, Put the, put the plant on top of a bookshelf and let it drape over the bookshelf. They let it crawl along strings and vines, uh, little you know attachments to the walls and make the plant grow as if you were living in a jungle, which is a very cool effect. But this philodendron, this little plant that probably doesn't get, you know, 15 feet long since it's a vine, it grows along the ground and up trees, much like kudzu. As a matter of fact, I, I don't think it's necessarily an invasive plant. It may or may not be. I didn't do that kind of research in Hawaii. But the philodendron there it grows up trees with huge leaves. I mean, they're at least 24 inches wide, the leaves themselves. And so you do have this lush, tropical oasis in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's a really cool place, but I will say that maybe I was not as overwhelmed with it all as I was anticipating to be because there's so much hype about Hawaii. You know, there is. Oh, you've got to go to Hawaii. It's a beautiful place. I don't know. I don't know. And it is. I'm not saying it's not, but I think it's a bit overhyped. People give it too much credit. I was talking to a gentleman who had this beautiful garden. Now, I'll say the reason we went to Hawaii was my wife's sister got married. She's based out there in the Army. And so uh, we we had to go, right? We just had to go because it was her wedding after all. So we had to make the eight, nine-hour flight uh, to get there. But it was, be- it was, it was a great wedding, and the, the, the wedding itself was held at, in this backyard of this beautiful home. And I'm not sure if the people live there or if they just use that particular house as a wedding venue. Um, but I will say that the back 
garden was beautiful. And of course, beyond the garden was the beach, the Hawaiian beach, beautiful white sand, palm trees, blue water, the whole thing. But he had this beautiful garden, and of course, being a horticulturalist, even though I don't know much about Hawaiian plants, I had to say to the gentleman who owned the place that your garden is beautiful, I don't know many of the plants, but I can tell that what you're doing is really working out, because he has created this true sense of place. We're going to talk about more about sense of place in a little bit. But I went on to ask him, I said, so what kinds of plants? There was a couple of trees that I wanted him to identify for me. I wasn't sure what they were. And uh, he said, well, actually, some of these trees, they, they didn't originate here in Hawaii. He said, most of the plants on the islands are not even Hawaiian. Some are from Mexico, Central America, South America. And so there are a ton of imported plants. And when he described this to me, I thought, man, that sort of makes Hawaii feel artificial. Because he said that when, when the first um, uh, arrivals came, the Polynesians, uh, that the island was more desert-like. There were a few scrubby palms. There were, you know, kind of herbaceous green plants that stayed low to the ground and a few shrubby-like plants. But he said generally... Hawaii was a desert, and it wasn't until the kings and uh, the government started getting on here that they started importing plants from other places, and the palm trees and the uh, lei trees, which we're going to talk about that in a minute, these plants were all brought in to give us what Hawaii is today. So that's why I use the word sort of artificial, but I shouldn't bash it that way. I shouldn't say that Hawaii is artificial. I should say that Hawaii is more like a garden, if anything. The entire place is like a garden, if what the gentleman told me is true, and I did not do any research. But if, of course, he he lives there, so he ought to know something. Uh, Maybe he took Hawaii history in eighth grade, like I took Georgia history. I don't know. But regardless, if all of these plants, which don't get me wrong, we have plenty of plants here that are imported, but our woods are pretty native. We have native oaks, we have native hickories, native pines, and they're all growing here. They weren't imported. We have a strong sense of what our area looks like or looked like before the settlers came and started importing plants. But in Hawaii, on the other hand, perhaps those plants (laughs) that are iconic for Hawaii, not being truly native there, maybe that creates Hawaii, the entire state, the collection of islands there as more of a garden. It's a garden state. (laughs) Not to take from, what is it, Vermont? (laughs) But maybe if we look at it that way, that what the early um, founders of Hawaii did, because of course they had their own government before they were incorporated into into the United States, perhaps what they started doing by bringing plants from overseas and bringing plants from other places, they started to create what their idea of Hawaii is, creating that sense of place, like you are somewhere. You are on this tropical oasis, lush landscape. And maybe because of their hard efforts and their hard works several hundred years ago now, we see Hawaii as they had envisioned it, which is the same thing that you would be doing for future generations in your garden. You see, 
You would be planting plants, creating a sense of place, depending on what kind of atmosphere or mood or reality you wanted to uh, have visitors uh, see and understand in that space. And so what they did several hundred years ago, we now know as Hawaii. And we just all assume that this is how Hawaii looked forever or how it has looked forever since it was first discovered. And based on the gentleman who had a beautiful garden in um, a beautiful area of Hawaii, of Oahu is where we were, on the Oahu Island, having that sense of place maybe is what it is. So maybe the entire state of Hawaii is an island. I mean, not an island, of course an island, is a garden. And so, I don't know, I think after having that discussion with the gentleman, because I will say that I was not overwhelmed, I was not very impressed by Hawaii, and we traveled on this island of Oahu, we traveled from North Shore, they call it, on the northern end, and we traveled all the way down to the south end in Honolulu, of course, Honolulu is where the airport is, and that's where we arrived, but we directly went up to north, and then later in the week, we came back down south and stopped along the way, and so we saw a good portion. We even traveled through the center of the island where a lot of the agriculture is. There is coffee. There is cacao, which, of course, is the plant that produces chocolate. Uh, There is a plenty of uh, pineapples, which, of course, the dole plantation is out there, the dole pineapple. The dole, dole is into everything, aren't they? But they have beautiful fields. We saw baby pineapples in the fields. Very, very cute, very attractive. So there's a lot of things that they're growing over there that we can't grow. But it is a diverse country. There, there is a two main um, mountainscapes, one on one side of the island and one on the other. And in the center, those two mountain ranges are connected by a plateau, which is where most of the agriculture is because it's flatter land there. And so it is diverse, don't get me wrong, but I'll just say that I think it was overhyped. It was overhyped. But after having that conversation about how Hawaii used to look, how Hawaii was more like a desert, and the gentleman telling me that all these plants were incorporated and imported into the natural landscape and we created what Hawaii is today, then I think I appreciated it a bit more because It was now, in my eyes, an island that is a garden. The entire island became a garden because of what gardeners did several hundred years ago. Well, gang, when we get back, more about Hawaii and tropical plants that work in our landscape uh, in in a a few minutes. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together.
Well, gang, like I said earlier, this past week we just had to go to Hawaii because our uh, my sister-in-law was getting married, so we had to make the trek. We had to go away and venture to Hawaii. Now, I know you feel bad for me. I know you feel sad because I had, I was forced to go to this beautiful tropical island oasis. <laughs> uh, but we had a good time. And like I said, uh, I've, I've had a pretty deep discussion here. If you're just joining us on Hawaii and, and, and the way things are over there, and it's all based on my observation. Okay. I, and I'm, I don't want to uh, down or, or bash the state of Hawaii by any means. I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you what I saw, what I observed. I'm, I'm admitting it's a beautiful place. I think it's sometimes over, to use the word again, overhyped a bit in that it, <laughs> you get there and yes, the Honolulu itself is a city just like any other city, just like Atlanta, right? It's kind of dirty and nasty and there's homeless people and there's, you know, weird smells and whatnot. But otherwise, there is some beautiful landscape. I just think that maybe we put a little too much emphasis on Hawaii. Because <laughs> what I'm trying to do is compare uh, that tropical landscape with our semi-temperate, semi-tropical landscape here. Of course, we have a winter. They don't have a winter. They have a rainy season. Instead of winter, their temperature usually stays pretty consistent throughout the year where, our, where here our temperature does drop in the winter and it does increase in the summer as we can already begin to feel. And so with all that being said, I'm not, you know, I, I want to put some emphasis that the South has a lot to offer, that the Northeast Georgia mountains, the Blue Ridge mountains, the Appalachian mountains, that our mountains, our semi-temperate climate has a lot to offer. Let me give you another example, not much to do with plants, um, but a little bit. So my wife and I, we really wanted to take Eden Rose on a hike, on a journey to go see a waterfall. Well, we found a listing on a travel site, I guess, for a giant waterfall. I can't remember the name. It was, um, let's see, Manoa. Manoa. That's what it was, Manoa. And so the Manoa waterfall was giant. That's what the description said. It was giant. So we travel up through this very steep landscape, really, up into the mountains, because in order to have a waterfall, you got to have a mountain. We know that here in the south. You don't have to tell us twice. So we're climbing up this uh, steep, rugged landscape. And I say rugged because there was gravel and large rocks underneath your feet from the trail. And, of course, a bit of washout and whatnot from where water had washed out the trail. Because it does rain a lot. It's essentially, it's not really a rainforest, I guess. But it does rain on and off. Well, I guess it is rainforest. I don't know. But the plants we passed, of course, we saw large rubber plant Rubber plant was, is the plant that you can grow indoors. It gets like a shrub. But down in Hawaii, the rubber plant can grow as large as an, an oak tree does here. 30, 50, 60 feet. I mean, it looked almost like a southern magnolia at first. But of course, I knew it wasn't southern magnolia because it doesn't necessarily grow there. But instead, it was the rubber plant. And so we passed all, passed all kinds of plants, vining plants with okay flowers. I'll have to say, I, it wasn't any more impressive than a clematis that we might grow here. 
But regardless, we make our way up and we look at this giant waterfall. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to uh, offend any Hawaiians, but the waterfall was tall. Okay, if you use the word giant to describe tall, it was very tall. But it was like somebody turned on a garden hose at the top. And a little trickle came running down the rocks. (laughs) I mean, folks, even Helen, even Helen, Georgia, we have better uh, Dahlonega. We have, in my opinion, better waterfalls than that giant Manoa waterfall we saw in Hawaii. (laughs) Okay, so just another example of the hype. You know, just another example of the the overhyping of Hawaii. But I'm not bashing it. I'm saying it has its place. It has its beauty. But the South has its beauty as well, and we can't forget it. We can't forget that there is beauty here in the South, and we can almost, and that's what we're going to spend talking about the rest of today's program, we can almost recreate what they've done in Hawaii over here, if we'd like. Because the reason I'm describing all of some of these plants we saw and some of the features and the waterfalls and whatnot is to get you to thinking about place. Hawaii is a place, and with place comes a sense of place. Right, so we've got palm trees. We've got banana trees over there that actually produce bananas. We've got all kinds of these tropical-feeling plants to give us that sense of tropical paradise. But that's all it is. It's really just a sense. We've already talked about how, uh, based on the gentleman I talked to, that it was sort of a desert island, but then became a lush oasis as we know today because of imported plants creating a sense of place. So when we're creating our own gardens, the important thing to think about is creating that sense of place. We've talked about this before but it's always great to remember and to remind us because as you travel, as you travel around uh, this, uh, this uh, summer season, whether you're going on a faraway trip or whether you're going into just our local areas, you're going to be confronted with sense of place all over the place. <laughs> you're going to get into a space and you're going to feel like you are somewhere. You may even feel like you are somewhere exotic. You are somewhere far away, even though the place may be very close to home. And so with all that being said, thinking about your travels or wherever you go on a day-to-day basis, getting a sense of place, and then trying to relate that back to your garden, back to your landscape. That is the whole purpose of gardening, is to create a sense of place that you are somewhere. So let me give you an example now, now that we have uh, acquired a seven-acre property or so here. um, We've been on it for a year, and I've been thinking of what I want to do with certain areas. And there's one area that is sort of a, a gully, kind of a ravine. And it's probably 10 to 15 feet deep. But I've got an idea now, especially now that I've traveled to Hawaii, I've got an idea to create a sense of place there, kind of a jungle garden. So some of the things that we 
some of the things that we saw in Hawaii will be replicated out here eventually, but with different plants, with plants that actually grow here. Because I want to create for that area a tropical-ish garden. And we've talked about tropical-ish gardens before. And of course, you can check out older episodes of New Southern Garden at NewSouthernGarden.com online and of course, all of your favorite podcasting apps. But regardless... We, I want to create a tropical-ish garden. It's not going to be true tropical because we're not in a tropical zone, but it will look and feel the atmosphere. will encourage people to think, I'm in a tropical place. I'm in a different place. Now, of course, it's not just tropical gardens that we're talking about creating a sense of place with. It's every single garden you're going to create or, or build or grow. You may want to look back at history and have some very formal spaces. There are plenty of homes, especially if you're in an older house. Maybe, maybe your garden, um, instead of being a modern garden with an older house, maybe your garden needs to match the age of the house. Especially if you're trying to revitalize or revamp the house uh, back to a formal, st- a former state. Creating an older garden for an older house makes complete sense. But the concept here is that no matter where you're growing or what you're growing, you're trying to produce a sense of place. You can even do that in vegetable gardens with certain uh, uh, venues and avenues to take. But creating a sense of place, having somebody come into your garden and feeling like they are somewhere else. Remember, only your garden. Your garden will be the only place in the world that feels the way it does. It's a unique space. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about tropical plants for our area. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, if you are just joining us here on New Southern Garden, I want to let you know that I'm talking all about my recent trip to Hawaii, which, of course, is that tropical island oasis that everybody talks about. (laughs) Almost over talks about, in my opinion, because it was okay. I think another thing that bothered me with Hawaii was that, uh, yes, there are unusual tropical plants growing there. But there really wasn't anything impressive. There, there were a few, but there, you think everything would be impressive. But all some of the plants were there were like, yeah, okay, yeah, they're green. They have leaves. Yeah, so do other plants. I mean, when I was in Hawaii, I didn't see. We left. We left at a time when, of course, down here in the south, our favorite plant. <laughs> The hydrangea was blooming, and so we left all these beautiful hydrangea blooms to go to a place where there was a lot of green. There were a few things that were flowering. There was the plumeria. Plumeria is uh, the flower that is used in lays. So the, you know, necklaces that are made out of flowers that you 
have in Hawaii. We never got one, I guess because of COVID. We didn't get a lay on us, which was kind of a shame because I was expecting to get off the plane and be given a lay, which everybody said would happen. But I'm guessing because of COVID, we couldn't. But anyhow, so there are impressive plants, don't get me wrong. But I don't know. It was like we, we have so much variety and diversity here. And there was a lot of the same stuff in Hawaii, a lot of the same plant material, even though I didn't recognize everything. The things that I did recognize was pretty cool. And there were some cool plants that I didn't recognize that were pretty cool. But I, I feel like maybe it's just because I'm more comfortable with uh, plants that we grow here. I think that was part of it. That the plants we grow here, I can identify and, you know, somewhat have a relationship with because I've either studied them in school or grown them in the nursery or grown them in my own landscape. And whereas in Hawaii, it was like, yeah, there's some cool plants. And most of the plants they're growing over there, you find indoors here. <laughs> they're houseplants, right? And I'm not a big houseplant guy. I think that I'm getting closer and closer into the houseplant world, especially as we uh, talk about them here on New Southern Garden. But let's talk about a few very impressive plants uh, that we saw in Hawaii that we can't grow here other than in a pot, <laughs> but still very beautiful plants. There is one tree that uh, you we never see the way it looks in nature in the South because we grow it as a houseplant, and it's one that I'm more familiar with. Uh, because we had one at my parents' house growing up as a kid. They kept it until just maybe a year and a half ago. This plant was huge. It was as tall as the ceiling. But in Hawaii, when it's planted outside, this plant gets even taller. And this is the Norfolk Island Pine. Norfolk Island Pine, it is a beautiful indoor plant. But I'll say that it is probably more impressive in Hawaii. That is one thing that is definitely more impressive in Hawaii because as it's growing outside, of course, it's got great temperature, great climate for it to grow and expand and, and get larger. Uh, the trees we saw were probably 30, maybe 40 feet tall. They probably would climb taller, but most of them, I would say, was in that 30, maybe up to 50 foot. Now, the branches on this Norfolk Island pine are very horizontal, and they sort of whirl around the stem. Very cool effect. It's sort of sparse, you know. It's not like our hemlock tree here, but the branches are very horizontal, and there's gaps in between the branches. So when you look at it, it looks like a brush. You know, it kind of looks like a, a, a brush sitting on, on its end. And I didn't know at first what it was, I will admit, because I thought, wow, that's a very impressive. It's got to be a conifer. It's got to be some kind of pine, some kind of cypress, you know. And I didn't know what it was until I talked to the gentleman who owned the uh, wedding venue that we were going to a wedding at. And he said, yes, yeah, Norfolk Island Pine. I said, do they grow here? I, I didn't think they did. He said, well, they grow here, but they're not from here. They were imported, of course, I guess from Norfolk Island. <laughs> but regardless, it is now part of the Hawaiian landscape. It's part of the Hawaiian ecosystem, if you will, because I say they're all over the place. And yes, they are planted and grown in gardens and homes and residential sites and businesses and whatnot, streets, trees, and cities. But now it seems like we saw them in the woods, like they've escaped cultivation and they've become not an invasive plant, but a part of the ecosystem, which based on that gentleman's dis, uh, discussion with me, 
He said everything was desert before. So it added to a dry, not dry desert, but a, I guess a tropical desert. <laughs> and trees are now a part of the landscape. See, another tree that was quite impressive that I had to have this gentleman identify for me was this, it looked like a conifer, another conifer, which I was very um very shocked to see so many conifers growing on this tropical island because in the tropics you assume that you have a lot of palm trees, that you have a lot of uh, those type of plants, not so much conifers, which usually conifers are growing you know, up in the high altitude areas, which of course, there are large mountains on Hawaii's islands, and so it would make sense that these would grow at a high altitude, but the heat... So the heat, you know, the Norfolk Island pine being tropical, grows fine. And then there's also this plant called ironwood. Now, ironwood is not the ironwood we find in our woods. Our ironwood is a um, deciduous plant. It has um, large, broad leaves, more like a beech tree or something, where this ironwood has very long, pine-like needles. They're scale-like needles. And so that's the only thing that I could compare them to that we would see around here would be like pine needles. But instead of needles, they're more like scales. Now, these long, pendulous needles, they hang over and they weep. So it's almost like taking a pine tree that we would be growing here and mixing it <laughs> with a weeping willow. Okay, so that may sound weird and odd, but I'll tell you, it was very beautiful. This particular tree, it was a weeping conifer, which we have very few that we can use here. We have sort of the deodor cedars that are weeping, and, and there is a weeping form of deodor cedar. Uh, but still, nothing that really compared to this because it was mainly the needles, the leaves themselves that were weeping. And it was called ironwood. I had no clue what it was. I really wanted to know. So I asked the guy at the wedding who obviously was a plantsman because he had a beautiful garden himself. And ironwood. It was brought into the island. It was not native, uh, but it is growing all over the island now. Now, there was a beautiful plant that I did recognize that I've already mentioned. It's called, some people call it the lei tree, L-E-I, because it's the plant that flowers these large and in clumps, uh, beautiful, fragrant flowers, sort of tubular, uh, but also the petals, I think there's about five, maybe six, um, that kind of whirl around the center there. And of course, it makes a great lay um, so people can dress up for their luau's and whatnot. But I knew this plant and I was expecting to see it. But I will say, I did not expect to see as much of it as there was. If you can think of how often we use crepe myrtles here in the South, almost every home has at least one. Every subdivision, every large planting, every, I mean, they're, they're along the highways, the interstates around here. That's how they use this lay tree or plumeria or frangipani. It's got many names, but the plumeria, I'll call it that going forward. Plumeria is used a lot like crepe myrtle. It's a larger, about the size of a crepe myrtle, uh, larger uh, ornamental tree. And of course, it's very ornamental in the fact that those blossoms are beautiful and they are fragrant. Now, they come in a variety of colors. We saw pure white. We saw white and yellow. We saw yellow. We saw pink. And we saw red. 
Now, there was one that I would have loved to have gotten a cutting of and taken home with me because this one had a little bit of white, but pink and yellow all in the same flower. Beautiful and very fragrant. If you get it at the right time of day, usually the late afternoon, mid to late afternoon, you will smell them permeating the area. The fragrance will be near you and around you. But otherwise, you may have to get up close to the plant and give it a big sniff. So, uh, Plumeria is a beautiful plant. I knew this plant because an individual had given me one. I had, of course, let it die. Uh, it got frozen, forgot to bring it in, whatever. <laughs> Actually, I said, if you can't live in this condition, I'm not keeping you. Uh, but it did die, but I knew it. And, it, and I, I did see the flowers here in Georgia even before traveling out to Hawaii. And so, knowing that we have, uh, I mean, knowing plants when you go over there, into other parts of the world, into exotic locales, I think is helpful because it will give you a more appreciation. It will give you more of appreciation for the plants, for the gardening, for the techniques that they have out there. Now, some other things that I could really appreciate. You ready? There was um, something that I'm going to recommend today for you to plant a tropical-ish garden, Mexican petunia. Mexican petunia is great. It's uh, uh, hardy here, especially if you mulch it well over winter. But it was growing down there like a perennial. And, of course, it sort of connected me to the nursery where we grow Mexican petunias at. Now, how about some of the annual plants? You know, we all love vincas, right? The annual vincas. We put in our bedding plants and change them out. Well, they don't have to do that. They're sort of growing and blooming continuously throughout the year. I mean, our vincas probably never get over 18 inches. Well, I saw some, I mean, probably not even more like 10 inches, but I saw some that were at least two foot and growing like any perennial might uh, here at home. And so vinca was used everywhere. There was pentas that were being used. And of course, the pentas were four feet tall. <laughs> pentas here get 18 inches and die. And of course, they don't live over summer. But down there, I mean, they don't live over winter. But down there, they live all year. <laughs> now they probably change them out. Mexican heather is another annual plant that we use. But down there, it's like a shrub, and it was blooming nicely and beautifully. And so I will say that even though some of the areas and things that I saw I was depressed with, I wasn't impressed with, um, <laughs> some of the things I could really appreciate. I could really appreciate because I already had uh, sort of a, um, a history with them. And I think that the more we study and learn plants, I mean, just to see the plants we grow here, in our annual beds, living down there all year for multiple seasons even, it's just shocking. You know, it, it really is. It's, it's horticulturally shocking. So, wow, look at what they can do where I can't do that back at home. So it's definitely another world, another location. And so with that being said, I, I wanted to talk about a few things that I really appreciated, a few things that uh, I could connect with. But still, the ironwood we talked about, the plumeria we talked about, the uh, Norfolk Island pine, none of those plants are going to grow in our area here outdoors. We can grow them as house plants, no problem. But 
what are some things that we can grow? To finish out the program today, I want to talk about a few other things, which we have discussed tropical-ish gardens before. But I do want to talk about a few things that you can grow that I'm planning to grow in my jungle garden as I get it started uh, and, and, and things that are going to give you a tropical feel. Because if you travel to a tropical area, maybe even South Florida, mid Florida, where there's plants we can't grow, but you want to take a little bit of that home. Well, I want to give you some ideas on some plants that will grow here just fine uh, that you can keep going. One of the first things that I plan to use in my tropical-ish garden that I've already planted, actually, in that location is hardy banana. Hardy banana trees, they come back from the root every year. They die to the ground every year. But unlike Hawaii and Florida, they never produce bananas. Or very rarely. If they do, you'll be very lucky. But hardy banana is a big plant that you can start with in your landscape today to give you that tropical-ish gardens. When we get back, I've got more tropical-ish plants for your landscape. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So maybe this summer you're going to go travel to some tropical area, some tropical exotic land like I did in Hawaii this past week, and you say, well, I'd like to plant an area in my garden, uh, sort of a tropical garden or a jungle garden. But remember, a lot of the plants that grow in the tropics, the real tropics, they're not going to grow here. So we have to create a sense of tropical with plants that do well in our area. And before we went to the break, I did mention one plant called hardy banana. Now, the hardy banana plant, of course, is as much banana as any banana, except it can grow in our area and its roots are hardy all winter long. Now, the tops die completely, but in the summer you can have up to an 8 and 12 foot large plant, uh, tall plant with large leaves. Remember, when we talk about tropical feeling gardens, we want to talk about big leaves and little leaves, big flowers and tiny flowers, and putting them right beside each other to create a sense of contrast uh, and, and for color's sake, putting flowers beside each other. It's a great thing, and it's going to give you that tropical feel. But in addition to a banana plant, you may also try something like palm trees. Now, you know, palm trees don't really grow here, but there's one that does, and that's the windmill palm. Windmill palm is a great palm. It's hardy to parts of Canada, and so it can handle, um, I think, 
almost down to zero degrees, uh, definitely in the teens. So it has no problem growing in our area. If you feel like adding a palm tree beside a banana tree would give you that tropical, exactly right, it really will. Because in Hawaii, there were banana trees growing underneath palm trees. Now, of course, palm trees get quite tall. This particular palm, windmill palm, will climb upwards of 20 to 25 feet. So keep that in mind. Now, some larger plants that you may uh, keep in mind. Big leaf magnolia. Big leaf magnolia is not tropical by any means. It's actually native to our woods here in Georgia and the southeast. Now, big leaf magnolia has a leaf that is much like, it is much like a banana leaf. It's huge. It's about three feet long. The flowers are the largest uh, magnolia flowers we have, even bigger than southern magnolia. Southern, it puts southern magnolias to dwarf them. It dwarfs southern magnolias flowers. But uh, big leaf magnolia has no problem growing here. It is deciduous. It's going to drop its leaves. So remember, all those big leaves are going to fall to the ground. So you may not want to put it somewhere where you have to do a lot of upkeep maintenance for cleaning uh, large leaves. Of course, if it was just me growing it, I would let the leaves fall and mulch the plant itself. But again, even though it's not a tropical plant, those big, large leaves... Your visitors and neighbors will think that it's a tropical plant. <laughs> now, in the shrub world, in the shrub world, there is a couple of plants I want to mention. Fatsia. Fatsia japonica is from Japan, and it's not necessarily tropical. Uh, it does make a good house plant, though, but it can grow outdoors. And growing outdoors, um, it has large leaves sort of shaped like a palm, like a hand, kind of like a Japanese maple leaf, but they're dark, lush green, and they're going to be quite large for a shrub, maybe 8 to 12 feet, and so they're going to fill a space, be a good background plant, a good backdrop, or a good understory for underneath these larger trees. Now, with that plant, again, it's evergreen, so it looks that way all year. One of the troubles with trying to create a tropical-ish garden in our climate is that we're going to have winter, and a lot of leaves are going to fall. The bananas are going to go dormant, whatever. But in the tropical, true tropical, you don't really have winter. You have evergreen things all year long. So we've got to think about some evergreen for our tropical, and that's why uh, our tropical-ish garden, and that's why fatsia uh, would be a good choice. Now, another good choice is a kuba. Akuba is a large leaf, not nearly as big as fatsia, because fatsia could be at least 18 inches wide. But um, uh, akuba, um, uh, on the other hand, is sort of the size of a gardenia. So akubas and gardenias can work very well to give you that tropical feel. The gardenias even more so because they have large white flowers, which large flowers give you a tropical feel. And of course, with gardenias, they give you the fragrance. And fragrance is important. Like I mentioned with the, the uh, plumeria tree over in Hawaii that they make lays from. Very fragrant. Fragrance is important to think about if we're looking to create a tropical oasis to give us that sense of place. Now, another native plant that works very well in tropical gardens is going to be, or tropical-ish gardens, is anise. There are all different shapes, sizes, and forms of anise. Some have variegated leaves, some have dark green leaves, some have bright yellow leaves, but the anise is an evergreen that has a very thick and juicy leaf. There's no other way to say it. Not juicy like you want to eat it, but it's definitely lush, and it's going to add to that lush look and feel that you need in order to create your tropical-ish garden. Now, of course, some things you're familiar with that I want to mention is hydrangea and camellias. I did not see any hydrangeas uh, in Hawaii. I wish I would have. I don't know if they can grow them or not. 
but they would have looked beautiful with those big, large, showy flowers. Same with camellia. Of course, camellia blooms in the late winter when nothing else is blooming. So you really want to think about using that plant as well. Now, there is a plant called oleander. Uh, Nerium oleander is the actual botanical name. It's going to be very hard to find here. But if you travel to Florida... Find a local nursery because they are bound to have oleander. Now, oleander does grow up here, but it may die in a harsh winter. I will say that my father-in-law, mother-in-law at their place, they have had an oleander there for a long time. I think it's on their neighbor's property technically, but it's in the planting bed with some of their plants. And the oleander looks very tropical. And oleander was a plant that I saw in Hawaii. It has large trumpet-like flowers that bloom on and off through summer. I believe they're evergreen in our area. I believe they are. But um, if they have a harsh winter, they may not perform so well. So we rarely see it in the trade up here in uh, North Georgia. But down in maybe South Georgia and into Florida, you're definitely going to find it. It is poisonous, and it is oleander, uh, white oleander, I think. There's a book or something uh, about how someone uses that plant to kill somebody. So (laughs) just be sure you're washing your hands afterwards. It would take a lot in order to kill you, I'm sure. Um, But just be careful. Be careful with that plant. Still, very beautiful, very beautiful. Some of the most beautiful plants uh, that the world has tend to kill us. (laughs) And so we have to be careful and know what we're growing. Now, let's talk about, those are more like trees and shrubs, but let's talk about some smaller plants that you may want to grow in your tropical-ish garden. Don't forget about lilies. Lilies make great tropical-ish plants because they grow well here in the south, but they give you large, showy flowers, strap-like foliage, grass-like foliage that looks kind of tropical. And one of the plants that I would recommend you check out ASAP, you can come to Lanier Nursery and Gardens. I know we have some. They're hard to find. But crinum lily. Crinum lily is the lily for the summer. Yes, everybody's used to day lilies and whatnot, but crinum lily is much larger. It's about the size of a, a amaryllis bulb. And crinum lily uh, is beautiful and quite fragrant. Some other things you may want to put, just because we don't have much time, think about vines. Virginia creeper. Virginia creeper is a native vine here to the southeast uh, that would climb trees to give you some height because in the jungle, in the tropical areas, you've got to have vines. Uh, Creeping fig is not native, but it is an evergreen. It's tiny little leaves, but I saw some down in Hawaii, and we can use it here in the southeast. Liriope, ferns, hostas, hellebores, folks, we can create a bit of tropical oasis in our very own backyards. It's about creating a sense of place using these plants. Mexican petunia, I saw it in Hawaii. We can grow it here. So collect your plants. Get some ideas on your travels this summer. And let's grow a tropical-ish garden here in the southeast. For New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM, this is Nathan Wilson. Stay well and grow well. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.